Leviticus chapter 25, verse number 10 says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. And now, God, we quiet ourselves before you, and we pray, Lord, that what you've sent your word to do, it would be done. And we give you thanks for this as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is our year of Jubilee, La Palma Christian Center. It is my 50th year, and so because it's my 50th year, it is our 50th year. If I'm going to personally enjoy a, a year of, of jubilee, then we are going to enjoy a year of jubilee. This year of jubilee is a year of liberty. This year of jubilee is a year of freedom. Slaves are being released. Prisoners are being released. Debts are being canceled. Hallelujah. All in this year of Jubilee. I want you to imagine God setting and pressing a reset button in your life. How many would like God to just reset a thing or two in your life? Hallelujah. Charlie, it's coming, my friend. It's a reset year for us. You don't have to go back and try to fix some things. God is just saying, the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, washes all of that away, and you get a brand new start today. You get a brand new start this year. Hallelujah. This year of Jubilee. This year, I believe God is going to do powerful things. This year, I believe God is going to do miraculous things. As we pray for healing, Let's expect healing. Joanne, I didn't lay my hands on you because of, just because I believe that as I approached you, God was going to heal you. God was going to quicken your body. This is the year for God to do supernatural and extraordinary things. This is the year, I believe, La Palma, that those hidden things, those mysterious things are going to be unveiled and there will be revelation knowledge that comes to you, things that you have read for many, many years. God is going to show you some things that have been hidden. How many want to see the mysterious things of God? Want to see the hidden things of God all at once revealed, new inspiration. Staff, I want you to hear me today. Pastors and wives and families, I want you to hear me today. This is a year of new revelation that's coming to you. New inspiration is coming to you as you study. As you study and read and meditate on God's word, he's going to show you new things in his word and by his word. You will begin to say things that you've never said before. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be active activated and turned on in you in this new year. I want you to pray that God would use you in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all of the gifts would be active as God chooses and as, God's, as God wills in your life. That's what's in store for us in this new year, this year of Jubilee. Is anybody excited about this year of Jubilee? We're going to a new level. But you know what they say about new levels? New devils. But that's all right. We're not afraid of the devil because the devil doesn't have power over the power that is in us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God that is in us. Don't you be afraid of the devil. Let the devil be afraid of you. You, let's put the devil and the demons on notice right now that in 2014, things aren't going to be the way they were previously. A year of miraculous, a year of supernatural, a year of inspiration and revelation. That's what's in store for us, La Palma Christian Center. God is going to do his part. He always does. My question for you, just before we really dissect some things today. Will you do your part? Because there's a part for you to play. There's a part for me to play. God will do his part. Will I do my part? Will you do your part? We work together with God. This year of Jubilee, 
Let me recap last week briefly. It is a year of recommitment. Somebody say recommitment. It's a year of recommitment. It's what I love about January. We get to start fresh. I lost four pounds since January 1. Oh, leave me alone. I know I don't look it. It doesn't even matter. As a result of this fasting, though, there's some, there's some benefits. I'm not, I'm not fasting so I could lose weight, but I love that I lost a couple pounds. How many of us have lost a little bit of weight? And you, uh, that's what I thought. I knew I wasn't alone here. But see, what, I, what happened was when I turned the page, when I turned the calendar, I turned some things in my mind. I turned some things in my heart. And it's a day and a year of recommitment. Say it one more time. Recommitment. 2014 is also going to be a year of rest. Oh. Anybody ready for a little bit of rest in your life? We'll hit that next week. It's a year of release. Somebody say release. release. You ready for release to come in 2014? For today, however, I want us to really look closely at this whole idea of recommitment. Recommitting a thing or two unto God, back to God, maybe afresh to God. No matter, it's a clean slate for all of us. It's what will we do with this? Will we truly recommit some things? Or do we keep going in the same mode, same process that didn't work last year? Don't do that. Let's not do that. That's insanity. Doing the same thing and wanting different results? It's crazy. How about we break the cycle and we do some new things and recommit some things to God and we will enjoy new results. So this is our year of recommitment. There are five points of commitment, La Palma Christian Center. I want you to jot them down. I want you to jot down these five points of commitment that I'm calling this church to. As I believe God has put this in my heart, so as I call the church, I believe the Lord is calling the church to this. What are we committing to the Lord? First of all, I believe we ought to commit our way to the Lord. What is our way? Our way speaks of our going, our steps, the path that we walk. I know for me, my path has been disappointing as I've walked it out in the course of my life. I was mad at God and so I ran from God. After all, how could a God that loved me let my mother die? And you can fill in your own story, but we all have a story. We all have some nail in our past that if if we wanted to, we could hang all of our baggage on and it could affect all of our present and our future. Mine happens to be my mother died when I was 14. And so I rebelliously ran from God and I decided to carve out my own path, Carmen. And oh yes, there was a bit of enjoyment along the way. I was sinking deep in sin. Woo! <laughs> but see, the path has an end. And my path was filled with distress. My path was filled with discouragement, disappointment. And if I would have continued on my path, ultimately, it would have led to death. And the death that I speak of here is complete and utter Separation from God, that kind of death. But God interrupted me while I was on my path. God tapped me on the shoulder. God whispered in my ear. And he wooed me to his path and to his way. And he said, I have a path for you to go, a path for you to walk. But he let me choose. 
And I surrendered my way to God's way, November the 14th, 1982. I still have wrestled with God from time to time, to be honest, from that time to this, still wanting to get on my own path from time to time. How many are with me today? <laughs> but God's way is better than my way. Come on, Rose, shout me down a little bit here today and help me preach. God's way is better than your way. So I'm asking you, I'm imploring you to commit your way to the Lord so that God's way would be accomplished in your life. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, I, that sounds good, preacher, but I don't even know what God's way is. Psalm 27, 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me, lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. You ready for a smooth path in 2014? How many would like a smooth path for a little while? You've been on the rocky road. You've been in the twist and turns of life. And now you're ready for a smooth path. If you don't know what God's way is, ask God. Show me your way. Teach me your way. Because God's way is better than your way. And God has already prepared the way that he wants you to go. He's already, he already has it all laid out. Psalm 37, 23, I love this scripture. It says that the steps of a good man or a righteous, the steps of the righteous, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. God has already prepared the path, the way that he wants you to walk in. And as we walk in that path, it will bring a smile to God's face. He will actually like that we are on the path that he has carved out for us. That we are walking in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord or prepared by the Lord. And he delights in their way. Where we get in trouble, Joseph, is when we get off of God's path and we start carving out our own path. You are on the path that God has for you, son. Stay on God's path. Don't let anybody whisper in your ear and try to pull you to the left or to the right. God has you where he wants you. You've got to stay focused and keep your blinders on and just walk in the way that God has for you. You believe it? You know it in your heart. That's why I'm here to help you. That's why I'm here to mentor you. Stay on that path. Stay on God's way. An already prepared path, ordered by God, set up by God. I like that. That's the path I want. That's the way I want to walk in. God has already prepared it all. It doesn't mean that it's a way without some heartache. It doesn't mean that it's a way without some, some, some confusion or some hurt. But I want to walk the way that God has prepared, and I want to walk the path that God said, I'll walk it with you. Very, very famous psalm, Psalm 23. Verse number 2 and 3 is what I want us to look at for a moment. It says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Watch this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? Come on, talk to me today. Why does he lead us in the path of righteousness? It's for his name's sake. A path of righteousness is simply a right path. It's just the right path. Whether you think so or not, whether you like it or not, God's path, God's way is the right way. And he will lead us in this path for his name's sake. In other words, as we walk the path and the way that God has laid out for us, even in the difficulty of that path, we can make known God's name. And we can say, when somebody says, how come you're... How come you're always happy? Didn't you just lose your job? Don't you, didn't you just find out you have cancer? We can say, well, yes, but God is with me. And God said he's going to make a way for me. And God's going to provide for me. And we can make known his name, even in the dark days, even in the difficult days. Right, Donna? 
We can declare God is with me. I, I just prayed. I was praying a moment ago and Donna was helping pray and I saw something in this sister. She's just come through heart surgery, serious and major heart surgery and successful. See, sometimes God will use a surgeon. Hello? Sometimes God will use medicine. Hello? But I saw something on you and I saw you. You heard the word. Didn't you hear the word? Well, I'm going to share it with the whole church, if you don't mind. God gave Donna a, a word and said that he's trusting her with healing. And as she lays her hands on other people, they will also be healed because she understands the healing power of God. And he's going to pour that healing through you. There's an anointing on you that you did not have before you underwent the knife. And now, as a result of it, God is trusting you with a new gift. And here it is on this path that was difficult. Here it is on this path that was, that was hurtful at times. But you can declare he's put you on the right path and it's for his name's sake. Somebody give God praise today. Hallelujah. I haven't hit point two, have I? I got to preach. Church, this year, this year, 2014, let's commit to God... Our way will be His way. That God will direct our steps and lead us to hurting individuals, lead us to lost families, lead us to new ministry opportunities. And I want you especially to jot down this scripture. Everybody jot down this scripture, please. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. There's so much goodness in this chapter, but I want us to focus right here. It says, search me, O God. And know my heart, try me, know my anxieties, and see if there's any wickedness in me, and lead me in your way, the way everlasting. What are we committing to the Lord this year? I'm asking you to commit your way to the Lord. I'm asking you to commit your will to the Lord. Number two, let's commit our will to the Lord. Now this speaks of your desires. This is the inside that not everybody sees. Not everybody knows. It's your will. And our will is so strong. It's amazing what mankind can do if he just puts his mind to it or puts his will to it. You can will yourself to do many, many things, can't you? things that you never thought you could do, when you have the willpower to do it, it can be done. Our will is very, very strong. So this year, we must pray that our will would be broken. Ouch. God, break my will. Break. Somebody say break. break. We want God to just kind of Massage our will. <laughs> that's, that's part of the problem. We need God to break our will. Wild horses, they must have their will broken. They must be tamed by somebody who knows how to break a horse. And once this, the wild horse and its will is broken, then it can be so effective and useful. And that horsepower can be used. But it's got to be harnessed. And the first step in that is to break the will. There's so much power and potential in each one of us. But I believe that our will has to be broken this year, folks. Our will must be broken. And as it's broken, then we surrender it to the one who can fix it. Only when he fixes it, it won't, it won't be like it is now. It's going to come back very different because he's the potter. We're not. We're the clay. Who are we to tell the, the, the master, the potter, what we want to be, what we want to do? I don't want to be that kind of a vessel. We don't tell the potter that. We just lay on the potter's will and we say, I am available clay. Mold me and make me, shape me and use me for your purpose. God, break our will this year. Mm. Come on, somebody say that. Here am I, use me. 
here am I, use me. Jesus is our great example in this. Jesus prayed for the Father's will to be done. He did it two, two different times in Scripture. He did it, first of all, in life. We know very well what we have referred to. We find it in Matthew chapter 6. We refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. We, we refer to it because the Lord prayed it, but really it ought to be our prayer, right? Because Jesus is actually teaching us how to pray. And he says here in verses 9 and 10, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us how we should pray, and I believe that he's instructing us to pray it on an ongoing basis. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to pray verbatim the Lord's Prayer every day. Although, I find myself praying the Lord's Prayer quite often. How many pray the Lord's Prayer from time to time? How many pray the Lord's Prayer very consistently? You would do well to weave that in. Because anything Jesus said, pray in this manner, I think I'm safe in praying it even word for word. I mean, I understand that it is a model for praying, but I know how I feel and I know, how I, I, I know the results that I get from actually praying the Lord's Prayer. We ought to be praying on, on an ongoing basis and part of our daily prayer time, God, your will be done. Your will be done. If we don't pray regularly for the will of the Father to be done, guess what? My will will be done. Your will will be done. Do you know that before you even get out of bed, somebody has their boxing gloves on and they're ready to fight you? Only it's really not boxing gloves. It's more like a, a, a knife and a gun. It's more like a machete. There's a fight every day. And we go into our routine and into our day unprepared for battle. Because the enemy comes only, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only but to steal, kill. He never stops, Pastor Moses. He is relentless in his pursuit of his assignment. And he doesn't take coffee breaks, lunch breaks, doesn't take vacations. He's just constantly wanting to accomplish this in your life. So you have to understand that before you even get out of bed, there's a battle. There's the enemy that we fight. There's the allure and the draw of the world. Here's another battle. Here's another fight. But then there is this culprit. Number three, it is your own stinking flesh. It is your will and your desires and your passions and your lusts, whatever they might look like. So we have to pray that we would die to our flesh so that the Spirit of God might live in us and that God's will would be done right here on earth every day that we live just like it is in heaven. He prayed this prayer of God's will to be done on earth and in, our, in his daily life and teaching us in our daily life, but he also prayed this prayer of God's will being done in death. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is coming to the climax of his life on earth. And just before the crucifixion, the, the cross, the, the scourging, all of this, Jesus takes his disciples into the garden of Gethsemane and he prays this prayer and he said in verse number 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away. For, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. I, I love this scripture. It shows a, a little glimpse of the humanity of Jesus. He's saying, God, I really don't like this way, this path. I don't like this part of your will. 
And if possible, God, I'd like you to change your mind. <laughs> if possible, if it is your will, you know, let this cup pass from me. How many would like a cup or two to pass from you along in your life? From, yeah. But yet it didn't pass from you, did it, Valine? You had to drink that cup of suffering and, and come through. But God was with you. And he healed you of cancer. Now today, you're in his house giving him praise and worshiping him. Cancer free. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been nice not to have to drink that cup. We all, I, I suppose, would say, God, I, I really wish I didn't have to drink this cup. But can we follow that with nevertheless? Come on, somebody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Church, I'm calling you today to surrender and commit your will to the will of God. And there are two ways that you can actually know God's will. And I want you to jot these down. You'll know God's will when you know God's word. You ever been confused on what is God's will for your life? Well, there's one way you can know it. Know his word. I mean, the Bible very clearly says this is the will of God. John 6:40. Jot it down. It's not coming up on the screen. John 6:40. And this is the will of God. It doesn't get clearer than that. That particular part of God's will, by the way, is that all believe and all have everlasting life. In other words, God's will is for all mankind to be saved. This is his heart. His will. What else is God's will according to his word? Well, Matthew 22, 37 through 40 tells us that, we, if, that God wills that we would love him and love people. What is it? What's God's will? That we love him. What's God's will? That we love our neighbor like we love ourselves. God, this is what God wants. This is part of God's will for our life. You want to know God's will? Know God's word. There's a second way that you can know God's will. We will know God's will as our minds are daily transformed. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love the description from the Apostle Paul here, not just that you will know the will of God, you'll know the good will of God, you'll know the acceptable will of God, you'll know the perfect will of God. Anybody ever felt like you were walking in the permissive will of God? We talk about the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God. And so we live over here in some make-believe land of permissive will of God. I don't know. And it, it makes us feel better. It justifies something in our own hearts and minds. But I want to know what is the good will of God. I want to know what is the acceptable will of God. I want to know what is the perfect will of God. And as I transform my mind every day... The Bible promises me that I'll know it. Otherwise, we are just simply by default conforming to the world. So we have to fight against that, Joe. We've got to fight against conforming to the world. And the way that we do that is by transforming our mind and renewing our mind, our thinking every day. So just as we wash our outside of our body, I don't wash my hair anymore, I just wash my head. But I found out something, I can wash on the inside of my head too. And in fact, I must. I gotta wash the inside of my head and wash my mind and here's the detergent. You ready? 
Come on, let me see your Bible today. I don't care if it's leather-bound or in your, in your tablet. or Come on, let me, everybody hold up your word today. Here's the detergent. Here's the soap right here, washing our minds and renewing our minds by washing them with the Word of God every day, day in, day out, without fail, not stopping. You've got to get into the Word of God and read the Word of God and apply the Word of God. And that is how we renew our mind day after day after day. There's no shortcuts for it. Our will is connected to our thinking. And whatever you're thinking about, if you, don't, if you don't take care of it right off and take it captive if it's not proper, you'll think about it again. And then you'll think about it some more. Then you'll enjoy dwelling on it. And it changes location. And it settles down into your heart got to be very, very careful. We'll get to that in a moment, but you have to be very, very careful. 2014 is a year of committing our will to the will of God. How many are ready for that? Number three, what are we committing to God this year? We're committing our work to the Lord. This speaks of your doing. By the way, what are you doing? What have you done for him lately? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 16 exhorts us to commit our works to the Lord. And your thoughts, you'll, you'll see later how all of this connects very, very well. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. There's an old adage that says, an idle mind is what? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. But when you're busy about the Father's business. You're busy serving the Lord, ministering to people, busy building His kingdom. You know, Jesus wandered off at age 12. His mom and dad couldn't find Him. Remember this? Finally, frantically, they find Him. And He's at church. 12 years old and at church and talking to the preacher, talking to the synagogue leaders, the rulers and, and what have you. And so mom comes up and she's like, you had us worried. Why didn't you tell us you were going? And he said, I had to be about my father's business. He was working as unto the father. We sang a song earlier, and I love this, build your kingdom here. We're praying, God, build your kingdom here. God says, I'm trying to. I want to. But do you know how God will accomplish this prayer, this song that we sang? It's through you. It's through you. It's through us. What are we doing for God? Are we working in the field? Some might say, well, pastor, that's your job. And I would say, you don't know your word as, as well as you should. Because the Bible clearly says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he has given pastors for the equipping of the saints, that's you, for the work, somebody say work, for the work of the ministry. Work is still work. Church, it's time to roll up our sleeves in 2014 and get some things done for the kingdom. And for us to say, God, I'll work. I'll do. I'll go. You can count on me, God. And no matter who you are, no matter if you're married or single, if you're male or female, if you're young or not as young as you used to be, Pastor Jim, all of us, those with hair and those without hair, Byron, those, all of us can be workers in the field. And not only can we, we're supposed to be. We need to be. 
It's the year of working for the king. Doing new things. Reaching out beyond our walls. There's a brand new ministry. It's really not so new, but it's getting a, it's getting a facelift and a, a nice new polish. Outreach. Reaching out beyond our borders, beyond our walls. Pete Link, Sertorius Johnson, Mike Jacob, and many more, many more. Hear me today, guys. Many more are going to join this God-ordained and God-anointed ministry. And untold thousands, I believe, in Jesus' name are going to be ministered to. They're going to be cared for. They're going to be nurtured. They're going to be fed. And they're going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to get dirty and we're going to get out there and work for the kingdom this year, church. We're not leaving it to three men who love it. We're going to support it. We're going to get involved ourselves. Are you ready to work and submit your work and commit your work this year like never before unto the Lord? Remember this. Your works are going to be judged by God. There's coming a reckoning day. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14 tells us God will bring every work into judgment. Every secret thing, the good things and the evil things, all of it is going to be judged. And when we stand before him on that great judgment day, may we be found faithful with everything that God has entrusted to us. And God, when he says, I was counting on you to do this, may he not be disappointed, but may he say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things down there. Come on up higher. I'm going to entrust you with a lot more up here. It's your day and your year to commit and recommit your work to the Lord. Number four, commit your words to the Lord. Commit your words to the Lord. This speaks of your speaking. Your words have great power. Do you remember the little children's nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me? That person was an idiot. I mean, really. How many have ever been hurt by what somebody said in your life? And some of the wounds run so deep that we carry them throughout life. Some wounds are still open and have not healed, even though the ones who said them are dead. That's how much power there is in your words. The Bible tells us, in fact, the power of life and death. Proverbs 18, 21. I want you to bring this up for us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What's coming out of your mouth? What are you speaking? What have you been speaking? Let's ask it this way, first of all. What have you been speaking and has been maybe a pattern of your life? Does anger come out of your mouth? If anger isn't properly resolved, it turns and morphs into something else. It turns to hatred. And hatred that isn't properly resolved and given to God also transforms, and it's called bitterness. And bitterness has a root system that very few ever get rid of. Once bitterness comes, without truly a miracle from God, you'll live with bitterness all of your life. And I'm talking to believers right now. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to those who actually have made a commitment to follow Christ. But yet, because anger was unresolved and pride was too powerful... It led to hatred and finally landed at bitterness. I've seen many, many believers that are bitter. What an oxymoron. What a contrast of thoughts. What's coming out of your mouth? Negativity? Complaining? Do you really like the desert so much that you'll continue to wander it? 
Do you like being frustrated so much that you'll continue to live in that frustration? That's what happened to God's called and chosen people because negativity came out of their mouth, complaining. They wandered the desert for 40 years when it was, what scholars tell us, about an 11-day journey. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God saying, I, you know, it's really, I, I know this is the way and the path that I have for you, and it's difficult right now, but you're so close to coming out of it, but because you keep speaking wrong, wrong words, I'm going to let you spin in this for a little bit longer. Because I want you to learn. I want to teach you something. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to come out of the difficult path as soon as possible. God, help me to learn what I need to learn so I can help somebody else along the way. Y'all still with me today? I'm going to close this in a minute. What's coming out of your mouth? How about gossip, slander, tearing somebody down, negativity? How about this, vulgarity? Church... We are not like the world, and even though everybody else says whatever comes to their mind, we have to guard what comes out of our mouth. It's inappropriate for us to use swear words, coarse joking, risque conversations, and sexual innuendo. What's coming out of your mouth? Nobody wants to hear this, I guess. I'll tell you what's coming out of your mouth. Whatever's in the library. You know where the library is that that houses all of the words that you speak? The library is just a little bit lower. Put your hand on your heart. There's the library. That's the library. And it houses and holds and stores all of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why I said, when you think something that's inappropriate, you can't help the thought that comes in, but you don't have to set it up a a, a couch and give it something to eat. The thoughts come, but we've got to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And we get to decide what we're going to think about. Things that are good, things that are praiseworthy, things that are lovely. Hallelujah. Philippians 4.18, I believe it is. You've got to decide what you're going to think about. What you think about will lodge in your heart, and then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Right, Dodie? Dodie just wrote a poem about this a couple weeks ago. So the psalmist said it like this. He prayed it like this, Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and, watch this, it's so closely tied together, the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, let it be pleasing, acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my, rede- my Redeemer. So in order to commit our words to the Lord, we've got to commit our hearts to the Lord. This year, church, let's commit our words to the Lord. Speaking life where there's death. Speaking freedom where there's bondage. Speaking healing where there's disease. Speaking forgiveness where there's unforgiveness. Peace where there's confusion. Speaking encouragement to people who are discouraged. Finally, as Pastor Moses comes and I close this, there's one more point in our lives that I would like to call us all to commit to the Lord. La Palma, let's commit our worship to the Lord this year. And this speaks of our devotion. Worship translates worth-ship. And so we praise and we bless and we thank the one that is worth thanking and praising. We worship him because he's worth it. Come on, somebody. How many would just say with an uplifted hand, I feel like God is worth it. He's worth my worship. Worship is a choice that you make and a matter of your will. 
See, I'm connecting that one right back there a few, a few points ago. All this connects very well, and I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help you piece all this together a little more tightly even later. King David decided to worship, made his fair share of mistakes, had the enemy hot on his tail, had a wife that didn't really understand him, had a son that rebelled against him, had the king trying to kill him. And you know what he said? I will bless the Lord. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, say continually, continually be in my mouth. What's coming out of your mouth, whatever's in your heart. Well, what should be in our heart is, I just love God. I don't know how I'm going to come through this. This is the hardest thing I've ever faced, maybe you say. But I love God. And I know He's never failed me yet. And He said He wasn't going to leave me alone. So I'm just going to thank Him while I'm here in this dark patch. I'm just going to praise Him while I'm waiting for Him to give some direction for the rest of my life. That's what ought to be in our hearts, church. And if it's in our heart, it'll come right on out of our mouths. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Almighty God. You know, you can just worship your way right on through. You can praise your way right on over. Come on, does anybody love to worship Jesus in this house? Come on, is there anybody that would just say, I'm with you, Pastor, today. I'm going to recommit a thing or two to God. Come on, somebody, jump up on your feet today. If you're ready for this year of Jubilee, Give me my singers up here real quick. And any choir that wants to come on up again, give me my band up here real quick. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are committing to you afresh and anew this year that it will be your way. It will be your will. Hallelujah. We are committing our works unto you today, God. We are committing our words unto you, God. And we are committing our worship unto you on this year, 2014. It's going to be a year of supernatural. It's going to be a year of spectacular. It's going to be a year of the miraculous. All we have to do is lay ourselves down on the altar. A sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable, pleasing unto you. Hallelujah. Are you ready to lay it down? We're going to celebrate going out today. Thank you, Jesus. Where's all my singers? They all went to lunch. That's all right. Come on, we're going to lay down a thing or two. Come on.
If you're ready to sacrifice some things, move these altars off to the side. I want to call to the front anybody that's ready to commit to God, their family, their children, their finances. Commit to God afresh and anew this year. Sing that verse again. Come on. Bring it, bring it.
somebody's hand right quick. Take hold of somebody's hand. Come on, grab somebody's hand. Hallelujah. Oh, look how diverse this particular body is. Hallelujah. We got every shade of skin that you could ever, ever want. We're like a wonderful Crayola box right here at La Palma Christian Center. Hallelujah. We got people with no hair and people with red hair and white hair. And but together, look at that person close to you. Together, we're going to build the kingdom. We're going to be used by God this year like never before. Lift up that hand and just pray that God would use them. Come on, just pray for that person real quick, real quick. I know we're ready for lunch, but what a powerful presence of God's Spirit in the Palma today. Come on, just ask God, use that person as they commit to you this year, as they surrender their home, they surrender their life, they surrender their marriage and surrender their family to you. Oh God, that you would just empower us now, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We have emptied ourselves, God, around this altar. Now we are available. Fill us. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your power, God. Anoint every step that we take, our going. Anoint everything that we do, our doing. Anoint our speech, God, our speaking, our words. God, anoint us that we would just be vessels that you would fill and spill, fill and spill, fill and spill. Hallelujah. You ready for 2014? You ready? You ready? You ready? Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, high five somebody. Tell them I'm ready. I'm ready.